people always ask me the question of what is technology doing to our social emotional intelligence? And we do know that it, there's some good things in that we were able to stay connected to people in remote parts of the world and family members and, you know, with their grandparents and kids. So that was a good thing. The bad thing is the emotional blunting that has come from technology because even though we can see each other's faces, we don't read the heart near like you do when you're in person with people. Welcome to Brainstorm by Us Against Alzheimer's, a patient-centered nonprofit organization. Your host, Meryl Comer, is a co-founder, 24-year caregiver, an Emmy Award-winning journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Slow Dancing with a Stranger. This is Brainstorm, and I'm Meryl Comer. On today's edition, we continue our focus on lifelong brain health with Dr. Sandra Bond Chapman, founder and director of the Center for Brain Health at the University of Texas at Dallas. Author of the book, Make Your Brain Smarter, I asked her about progress on their world's largest brain health study to measure improvements following brain health training. You've spearheaded the UT Dallas Brain Health Imaging Center with really developing objective measurements of gain in brain systems following these interventions. Is it free to participate? Because if you look at what's going on in Washington, you only get one PET scan that's reimbursed. How does it work? Is it inclusive? Tell us more about the project itself. We have launched the largest project really in the world that will enroll 120,000 healthy people from ages 18 to 100. Actually, we're starting at 10, but for the imaging part, it's older. We already have 25,000 enrolled, 10% of those people, so 12,000 will have repeated MRI scans every year to see what is it that the brain is changing and how does that correspond to the changes we're seeing on an objective, quantifiable brain health index that you can take online. The Salmon's Brain Health Imaging Center at UT Dallas is uniquely looking not at early signs of Alzheimer's disease, are not do you have plaques and tangles and small strokes or white matter disease, but can we begin to see the function of the brain working more efficiently? Do we see the neurovascular system working more coupling to make it more efficient? And we already have some promising evidence. So is it free? It's a research study. Nothing's free but it's paid by private philanthropy right now. This work is so leading edge and leading in the frontier of something that we've never thought about the brain of a marker getting better, but wouldn't that change the whole way we see our brain if we have a neuromarker, but also some objective measures that are accessible to people when you talked about inclusion and equity that can do it on platform and it's free. So right now, All of the people that enroll in the project are getting coaching, online index, access to the strategies to them for free, for us at an expense. But what we're learning so rapidly at an individual level is going to be transformative. And what I'm most excited about is in the fall, we are going to launch the app. What you said when you were talking about What people want is they want it to be on their phone because, you know, we have our computers and we like to use that, but wouldn't it be nice wherever you are 
You can access it on your phone. So we've heard them, we've listened, and we are now taking sort of this sophisticated science and making it accessible in animated ways to people of all education levels on an app on your phone where you can see, hey, brain, where are you? Let's see how strong, how fit you can be. Do you think the power of the application is because it bypasses stigma, ageism, all the anxieties that you have attached to your brain? Meryl, you always hit the nail on the head of saying what it is. You know, with the brain, we have labeled, put people in boxes. Oh, your ex, of course you've got memory. Or, oh, you're dyslexic, of course you can't do X, Y, Z. So the brain has been, for the last hundred years, a stigma of what can be wrong. So yeah, we're bypassing that to say, yes, there may be some things that are kind of hurdles. Let's see how to work around them to help you thrive using this immense brain capacities you have in your neuroplasticity to strengthen that. So taking fear of you're going to tell me what's wrong to empowerment. There's things you can do every single day, and it matters, to take the stress we feel about our brain. Because right now, when I mention the brain and things you can do, people are like, no, 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 Sandy, you don't understand. I can't add one more thing. Maybe next year. It's always later because we always think it's an add-on. What people are beginning to realize that your mental energy improves, the efficiency with which you do tasks reduces and you perform it at a higher level, why wouldn't you take five minutes, seven minutes throughout the day to figure out how do I use the brain to gate this brain's energy to use more effective on my to-do list? Well, one of the key innovations, which to me is so striking, is the brain health index, something that is quantifiable. It doesn't have baggage around it. It's an index and just informs you. So tell me how that is working and where you are and what you're finding out. You know, I think that when people do the Brain Health Index, as I mentioned earlier, 25,000 that have registered it to try, and it's, you know, a 22 gold standard measures that we know, and we've worked on for the last two decades of things that could measure the upward potential of the human mind. And actually what we thought where the AI and our artificial intelligence is learning, telling us that the brain is operating in a very different ways. So we've learned that all of these things that we thought were different pieces aggregate in three clear ways. One, they lumped under three factors, clarity, which is your ability to reason, to do innovative thinking, to figure out how to find out where you are when you're lost when you've hit a brick wall. So we measure things that require people to constantly look for solutions. Besides clarity, the second, and it helps the brain as much as clarity, is connectedness. How important social relationships changes your brain in very dramatic ways to have meaningful relationships and connectedness to purpose. Even when people develop Alzheimer's disease, if we can keep them connected to people their level of brain function stays at a much higher level. Connectedness changes the brain in dramatic ways. And the third area is how do you help people figure out how to stay calm and emotionally balanced when your world is being knocked upside down? 
the anxiety, the stress, the depression is higher than any time in our world. And we give people strategies of yes, that sucks. Every single day, these are steps you can take to find a way forward. And it's changing their ability to flourish. And that's what the Brain Health Index really is, a measure of your ability to flourish in your context. So you've brought up the issue of connectedness. For our generation, Sandy, connectedness is being with people. For our children's generation, it's online, it's social media, it's disconnected at one level. What are they missing without that real interpersonal connection? Yeah, Meryl, thanks for bringing that up. I think people always ask me the question of what is technology doing to our social emotional intelligence? And we do know that it, there's some good things in that we were able to stay connected to people in remote parts of the world and family members and, you know, with their grandparents and kids. So that was a good thing. The bad thing is the emotional blunting that has come from technology because even though we can see each other's faces, we don't read the heart near like you do when you're in person with people. It's one of the things that we stress during isolation, during the pandemic. If you can just be with one person connected, not the virtual, you will see your heart rate connect to them. You will see your brain's neuropharmacy change. We don't see that same type of connection happen with connection on technology. So there is some technology that helps us to stay connected, but it's not the level that's really going to help you to thrive and feel like you have sort of the supportiveness that you need to thrive. Is that why your vision for this brain health project engages ages, you know, young people all the way up into their 90s to be able to tease out these elements? Yeah, it is. And, you know, and thinking of multi-generation, you know, because young people always think they're harmless. I don't have to worry about my brain. But, you know, actually 40 and younger, you know, we always worry about our brain older at this ageism. People we're most concerned about is people 40 and younger. And it's because of the things you're talking about, the connectedness with knowing that I have a safety net of meaningful relations and also knowing that I can do something in my stress and anxiety and depression beyond just being labeled with the stigma of having that and having been medicated. There's steps I can take to be part of the solution. With age, we actually have those strategies because we know the world's going to be okay. So it's why we're very interested in multi-generations, you know, where the older people's brains thriving can actually help the younger generation to thrive. So the younger brain is not necessarily the most robust one. We need them working together. And as we're beginning to work with our populations that are living in challenging situations, whether it's poverty, loss of jobs, you know, worried about health care. It's the multi-generations that we're beginning to work with to help them see, regardless of your education level, your income level, there's small steps you can take from moms worrying about their children to their parents. We're interested in brain health across the lifespan and changing the conversation. It's not fine until you're 70 or 80. You need to start thinking about your age very young and taking steps because it's the group that I'm most worried about. So that as we talk about 
people in their 60s that are worried about Alzheimer's disease. I say, help us worry about Alzheimer's disease, but worry about the younger generation to be connected and to have emotional balance. That's part of brain health. As a major trend in wellness, there the healthy sleep programs are now proliferating. Tell us where the science of sleep and peak performance intersect. You know, sleep is one of the most important free things we can do if we realize how important it is and how it changes our brain. We actually experience it every day, but we don't tune into our brain. When you go to bed and you think, oh my gosh, this day, I can't think another thought. I'm so agitated. It was so crazy busy. You go to sleep, you wake up the next morning and your brain is clear. You're calmer. You care about people again. You correct some of the things that you made a foul the day before because sleep is this amazing, magical elixir that changes the neuropharmacy while you're sleeping. It actually helps you solve problems that you didn't know you could solve while you were actively trying to do it the night before. During sleep, you connect dots in ways that you didn't know. How does this engine work for us better in sleep and stepping back in respite than when we're actively trying is a miracle. So sleep is a big part of what we're measuring to see how is it that when people begin to prioritize sleep, do we see peak brain performance improve? You're right on. Sleep, it alone won't do it, but it certainly helps your brain to reset and re-energize. But why do we keep running on empty day in and day out? Let's try to help accelerate your brain health project because you need people stepping up to engage. How do we engage and how much of a commitment do we need to the project? Because I think that is something that's important for people to understand. If you're going to get the data that you need from us. Yeah, what we're looking for is people that want their best brain year to be next year. That's really what we're looking for is people that are willing to say brain, I'm going to take you seriously and set small steps. In terms of the commitment, we're looking for people to do the Brain Health Index. It's online. It takes about an hour, hour and 20 minutes. You can divide it into three sections, so it's 20 minutes. You get this amazing data. You learn about your brain in ways almost every single person said, I had no idea that this mattered to my brain and things I did. So you kind of get a quick lesson on it's more than memory and processing speed. There's a lot more that can help you trigger into that. You get access to a coach and I would really recommend people take advantage of that. It's 15 minutes to describe, but it is online virtually. You can learn a lot of information. In terms of what the commitment is, you get free access. And let me tell you, if you were to do this in person, it's $750 each time you do the index. But the project is free online. The training is also $750 if people were to come in and do it. It's free. And what it takes is typically about 10 to 15 minutes during the week of two minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, where you learn strategy. And then the goal is to give you activities of using that in your world of how you use your brain. So if you're willing to commit 15 minutes to your brain and its health and learn these science-proven strategies, at six months, you get the index again, just because people, we realize that a year was too long. 
They want to know, hey, brain, where are you? And then you do it every year. And whether or not you do the trainings, we are showing that people that take advantage of the training improve significantly more. But if you just look at your index so that you make sure you haven't lost ground across these years, that helps us to see. And it also will help you. And at any point, if you start to see some loss, we can help you to regain it. You know, was it due to chemotherapy? Was it due to grief, loss of a loved one? Was it due to lack of sleep? Was it due to loss of job? What are the things that could impact your brain are pretty common to our world, but making sure that you don't let that accrual build up so that you lose a lot of capacity. Starting young matters. Starting young matters. We've had people where they did it for family reunions and challenged everyone and they started sharing what things they were doing and how they were deploying it. It really is more fun than rigorous, like you've got to do, oh, I hate this. I think people will find that it's fun. Our thank you to Dr. Sandra Bond Chapman, founder and chief director of the Center for Brain Health at the University of Texas at Dallas. For more information or to sign up for the Brain Health Project, go to centerforbrainhealth.org. To sum up the focus of our conversation, I'll repeat Dr. Chapman's advice. Without brain health, you don't have health. That's it for this edition. I'm Errol Comer. Thank you for brainstorming with us. Our team is on a mission to help you stay up with the latest scientific breakthroughs, from new therapies to technologies on early diagnosis and personal brain health advice from well-known experts using an equity lens that promotes brain health for all. Now, we'd like to hear what's on your mind. What are the topics and guests you'd like to hear featured on Brainstorm? Send your comments to brainstorm at usagainstalzheimers.org. Support for Brainstorm by Us Against Alzheimer's comes from Genentech and ASI. For four decades, ASI's commitment to Alzheimer's disease has never wavered. Even when faced with complexities and challenges that caused others to relinquish pursuit, ASI has never given up on developing therapeutic and ecosystem solutions for people and families living with Alzheimer's and other neurodegenerative diseases. Subscribe to Brainstorm on your favorite podcast platform and join us on the first and third Tuesday of every month.